right, welcome into episode six of Automatic, and we are excited that you're going to be joining us here as we're also getting to celebrate a national championship, not in college basketball, but in college football with Georgia Bulldogs finally getting a national championship over Alabama. And Steffi, this was a team that you actually picked. I saw your pick. You picked the Georgia Bulldogs socks. I saw that when you were broadcasting the game. But our last episode, though, I don't know, you were kind of leaning towards Alabama. So somehow you switched that pick to Georgia. What happened, lady? I can't believe you're holding me accountable like this because, yeah, I flip-flopped. <laughs> it was a, it was a pick'em game because it could have gone either way. Um, you know, revenge for Alabama or revenge for Georgia, do- dominance and dynasty for Alabama. I'm not gonna lie, I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. What? I'm you fell ter- asleep. I fell asleep, Rich. Those <laughs> 8 p.m. kicks kill me. I know. I, I get it. I was all in. I had my my brother-in-law and sister over. I had the Rotel dip going. Made it through the third quarter. They said goodbye. I said okay. I'm gonna watch the rest. Went in my room and. Last last time I saw the score was nine to six, and then I woke up and <laughs> holy hell, what happened? What did I miss? Because clearly there was actually some offense on the field. You missed a lot. All of a sudden, it's thirty three to eighteen. Watch out! Good gosh! So and Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. He pulled it through. I mean, he was four four, eighty three yards, two touchdowns there in the fourth quarter alone, and this was right after he had that. Very bad, and maybe it was a questionable play where they said it was technically a fumble while he was trying to pass as he was getting sacked, and Alabama recovers and scores a touchdown. But kudos to Georgia and your pick, Kirby um, Smart. Hey, I picked Georgia as well. Yeah, so look, you know, I can as a as a Florida Gator, I can't cheer. I know for Georgia, it's just you can't, you can't. But I was cheering for Kirby because I do really like Kirby. Um, I think he's done an absolutely amazing job at Georgia, and uh, I- I'm happy for them. I mean, it's it had been a long time for Georgia, and the drought is over. I'm sure everyone in Atlanta, my former city, are going crazy, and I would probably wear a Gator shirt today just to piss people off. <laughs> but I <laughs> know uh, I'm happy. I'm happy for for Georgia and for Kirby, and you know the women's team did beat Alabama. Um, a day before, maybe to foreshadow that was an that omen. Georgia would would handle Alabama. Yes, so. and I, you know, I think it's interesting too, just from a perspective of you look at some of these teams and how certain programs, how they can be good in both basketball and football, and how some are just so polar opposites in terms of success. And not to say Georgia basketball hasn't had some success over the years. They have, but not obviously like their football team. And you could say the same thing with Clemson, my alma mater. But then when you look at Alabama, how they're able to do it both on the football side and basketball side, obviously the basketball side, not to the same perspective. But Nate Oates, he's got a really good team. Now, I would have to question my pick now for Alabama to win the SEC on the men's side. I don't know, Steffi. Starting I'm getting nervous about that pick. They're starting to tumble a little bit. I think Auburn is yes, the clear cut. They don't cut. play defense. They don't play defense at all. And you got to, you got to, and you've got to, especially with the way that Baylor plays. I mean, to be in that top ten category of the way that they're able to just completely shut teams down. And I think Auburn, you know, is the clear cut favorite now. 
and the I SEC. would agree. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Kentucky, and that's, LSU, you know, I know those are still contenders. I feel like, um, but it, it's kind of it's interesting. LSU they've got a lot, they've got a good thing going in Baton Rouge with their men's and women's. And team. that's what's even I think more surprising as well is when we talk about you know the the football versus basketball side. I mean, there's usually a disparity. It's hard for schools to be really good in both. But then you look at it just from a men's and women's side for basketball, and how impressive is that? When you see an LSU the way they are, a Baylor, you see the way they are. Yeah. And like a Kentucky, I mean, they're good. Tennessee right now, how they're you know both on the men's and women's side, that they're good. I think it's interesting from that side of things as well. I think, uh, you know, Kara Lawson, too, with Duke um, on the women's side, you know, she's got them in the top 25. And, you know, obviously Duke continues – um, with Coach K in his last season, you know, they're a Final Four contender. So, yeah, I think it's um, there's parallels, and it's it's uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, I'm going to get right into what my automatic was um, last week, which was all unbeatens were going to go down. Almost right. That's right. Um, there's one team left, Colorado. Have to give a shout-out to them. Yeah. Was that the surprise that Colorado, or did you think that it was going to be Arizona that would get beat? I thought Arizona would get beat. I did. It's funny. Okay. I thought, damn, I'm going to be wrong because Arizona will take care of business this week. Next week, I think they play Stanford. This week, they played USC. USC upset Arizona. So that was, you know, but Lindsay Gottlieb, who coached at Cal, she went to the NBA, came back. Now she's at USC. Um, She's a great coach. Um, Not really surprised necessarily, just based on how she coaches. Um, Thought Arizona is the better team, but so they go down. North Carolina hadn't played anyone really. I know Kelly Graham likes taking some heat, <laughs> not really putting them higher in her ACC rankings. And she's probably like, look, I feel vindicated um, when they, you know, they fell to NC State. It's not North Carolina's good, but um, Colorado, I still think remains to be seen. They've, they've, they're going to have to play some tougher teams coming up. They haven't really played anyone too, too good yet. So they're still left? Yeah, well, mine was easy because I went more of the non-traditional route. It was Dick Vitale, and he's going to come back from cancer at some point. We, we don't know when exactly that's going to be, but you know he's a fighter, and he's just part of college basketball. So he, he will definitely be back. But, but now, for this week, I have an interesting automatic for the week based on a team of the week. So it's almost like I'm giving team credit. But then also, are we going to see something from this team? So I had my team of the week all lined up. When you see Texas Tech beat Kansas, they didn't have their two top scorers, and they beat Kansas. And I'm all set. Oh, wow. What a great week for Texas Tech. A big win against Kansas that were you know number six in the country at the time. So that's going to be my team of the week. Knowing that, I was still going to watch the Miami-Duke game later that night. And it was like, okay. We'll see what Miami can do. They're 4-0 in the ACC. They've won eight games in a row, but they're playing at Duke. And even though Duke is coming off of a big COVID pause, there's no way that Miami's going to win. Well, hell, Miami goes up to Duke and beats Duke. And I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but it was absolutely bananas, especially how Duke goes up by four with like 40 seconds to go in the game. And somehow Miami comes back and wins that game. And just what Cam Mcgusty and Charlie Moore and that whole team, Isaiah Wong, what they've been able to do. 
mean, it's just remarkable because this is a team that got beat by Central Florida, got beat by Dayton. You know, so you're sitting there thinking there's no way they're even going to be able to compete in the ACC. And lo and behold, here they are at 5-0. and But now here's – that's all the praise. But now my automatic for the week is, Steffi, we've seen this story happen before. There's no way they can continue this type of run. They just can't. So their next game is at Florida State. And then they follow that up with a game against North Carolina, and they will lose one of those games. They're, they can't go in a situation where they're going to win. I, I just can't see them winning 10 in a row, and I think they'll probably lose at Florida State, even though Florida State is down this year. But I think getting that type of win, that momentum, that high of beating Duke, it's almost like, all right, we you know climb the mountaintop and – you're due for a letdown. You just have to be. I just can't see Miami being able to continue this streak. Well, the parallel on on my side of things is when Missouri, who was down to just seven players, uh, beat South Carolina, the number one ranked team in the in the country on the women's side. And you're like, how did that even remotely happen? And it's the same for Miami beating Duke. How how did they beat Duke? You know, Duke's completely stacked. NBA draft picks you know, galore. And uh, it, it's it's makes things it makes it makes conference play so fun. I mean, there, I know it. It really is, uh, you know, so difficult even for the best teams to just walk through conference play unscathed. Like in Arizona, like I just talked about, where they were undefeated. USC at the bottom of the back of the Pac-12, they they get they get dropped. So you can see Miami go zero and two, or you can see them go two and zero. You know that that. <laughs> That is, that's the fun part, I think, um, of conference play. Without a doubt. And that's why we talked about, we love conference play because yeah. you just don't know. And it's not just at the power five either, Steph, as you know, I'm calling some of these games on, you know, more of the mid-major, the big South and the Southern conference. It's the same thing. It's night in and night out. You just don't know what to expect and you never know. And obviously when you have COVID, involved as well if their player is going to be missing or if they have been on a pause how they're going to be able to rebound coming back after a layoff and that whole rest versus rust type of scenario and but at the end of the day that's why I love conference play because it is so up and down every single night and every single game is even more magnified in my opinion right now just because you don't know if you're going to get every single game in well that leads me to my team of the week and I could go with a few teams, um, but I'm going to take Tennessee. I saw them up close in person on Thursday. They're undefeated in SEC play, and I had their last two games. Let me tell you, Rich, Tennessee rebounds 51 rebounds a game, number one in the country. Their defense is number one in the country. What does that remind you of? Like When you think about Tennessee, what are the two things that you really attach to Lady Vol basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's effort, defense, defense and, rebounding. and rebounding, yes. Right? So they're defending and they're rebounding. And I think that the way that they handled Texas A&M um, and then the way that they handled Ole Miss, these are two NCAA tournament teams, you know, with ease. They're, they're, I think they're a Final Four team. I think that Kelly Harper has a special bunch. And, um, I mean, Rich, 51 rebounds a game. That's insane. Think about that. And it's not like it's not like these teams about, are shooting fifteen percent either. That's right. <laughs> right. I mean, they're they're not 
they can, their offense could improve, okay? And they're not forcing turnovers, like getting out and uh, just like chaos ever. It's in the half court, like the way that they guard. And I think that that's kind of been the difference. They have an identity. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see where they land and when they go up against South Carolina. Because you think about what, what, what South Carolina does, they defend, they rebound. They rebound, yes. Another team that rebound. Man, Don Staley's team, especially when you've got Aaliyah Boston. Again, I just cannot believe the double-doubles that she's putting up. And I'm not talking about that she's just you know getting 15 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, it's like 18 points, 18 rebounds. I mean, it's yeah. insane. She just had her ninth straight, which is the first time since 1978. In that program, which wow. you think Asia Wilson, right? Exactly. But that's my team of the week. I do have to give a little shout out to Florida. They upset Texas A&M without their best player, Lab Briggs. Great win for the Gators. In the way that Colorado's been playing, I, I think that you know they're undefeated. Still need to give them some love. All right, Steffi, great choices there, but we are excited, Steffi, that we have a fantastic guest this episode, and that is your good friend, Drew Felios. All right, this week's guest is a good friend of mine and one of the very first people I met in this business, Drew Felios. And uh, I'm excited for him to be here in sports broadcasting for 23 years. First gig was working in local television in West Virginia. I'm sure that was an experience. Currently works for ESPN, covering college football, Little League, uh, some high school hoops. Has become the main voice of the Pro Pickleball Association Tour. Drew, we're going to get into that, by the way. (laughs) They've secured deals with Fox Sports, Tennis Channel. It it could be the new sport here in uh, the United States. I'm excited for that. And he is also the voice of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, second division USL team. Terrific environment there in Tampa, Drew. Uh, Welcome into the podcast and uh, good to see you, my friend. Guys, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I've, I've watched some of the work that you guys have been able to put out it's really been cool and great stuff. Thanks, Drew. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about is, you know, this is a, a college basketball podcast, and but you cover, honestly, Drew, you cover every sport. I mean, volleyball, basketball, baseball, softball, pickleball, uh, Little League, you name it, you've covered it. How did you get into this business? Oh, man. Um, well, just like you, Steffi, obviously growing up playing sports, um, so many little things in my childhood kind of brought me to where I am right now. One of the f- first things I can remember is watching the game with my dad, uh, watching the Celtics and Lakers battle in the early 80s. And my father would write up a notepad of the whole Celtics roster and he would keep score literally while he was watching it on TV. Of course, with with a, a field goal, a basket with an X and a free throw, you know, old school style. And he was also a Georgetown graduate. So he was a diehard Celtics fan. He was a Georgetown graduate while John Thompson was leading the Hoyas back in the day to their glory. That was a huge influence on me, kind of both sides, college basketball, pro basketball. And then I realized when I was about eight, nine years old, I was pretty good. I could put the ball in the hoop. Uh, and then when I was eight, I'll never forget my family. We moved into a home and we had a basketball hoop 
in the driveway. And that was like, to me, the main selling point of the home. <laughs> there was a basketball hoop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, baseball, I grew up with that sport as well, but I kind of knew uh, as when I was in high school, I was on the high school team and I was also a basketball player, but I, I, I knew I wasn't going to be making a living trying to hit 95 mile an hour fastballs. Uh, basketball came a little bit more natural to me. And I like the instant reward, Steffi, you know, just the instant ways to make plays. Baseball, if something bad happened, I'd have to think about it, go back out into the field. If I struck out, you know, you sit on it. It was a little too slow for me. Basketball was was up and down. So all of that combined with I get out of high school. I was a pretty good player in high school and um, eventually tried to walk on at Florida State. That didn't work out the way I wanted to, but it was still a good experience. And I realized that the one thing I could do also that could get me into sports was talk talk about it, tell stories like I am right now. And that's kind of what led me to my first internship. I was an RA at Florida State in one of the dorms. And one of my residents told me one day, Drew, you should meet my father. I said, who's your father? She said, he is the head sports photographer at Fox 13 in Tampa. And I said, when, when's your father coming up? And she told me, and I met Nick Billius, my original mentor in the business. And Steffi, the rest is history. I love it. Well, Drew, we do have something in common more than just basketball and sports is that we weren't able to make it as walk-ons because I tried to walk on at Clemson. <laughs> and that was a humbling experience. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, these guys are a little bit better than me. <laughs> so I understand. And also, I could never hit a curveball. So that's why I had to give up my baseball career pretty quickly. It wasn't about the fastball. I just couldn't hit a curveball. And so when did you, though, at the time, though, Drew, as you're going through this uh, whole process, I mean, after, you know, not walking on at Florida State, I mean, did you have a, a moment outside of, you know, now meeting your mentor that you really did want to pursue sports in some other capacity or have you always thought you wanted to be in sports? Yeah, it was kind of one of those things, Rich, where I, I kind of had it in my head and I told a lot of people growing up that I was going to play big time basketball one day. And that's why I'm so envious of what Steffi was able to do, because she accomplished what I always thought I could do, but I just never really had the roadmap. Looking back, the whole process of recruiting and getting noticed and understanding the whole process. Remember, this is before the Internet, before cell phones really caught on. So I just didn't really have that formula. I had a high school coach that was in his first high school coaching job. And he just he, he wasn't in tune really with the scene and getting players to the next level. Our program was rebuilding. So the stars didn't quite align for that. But so when that kind of fell through, then I had to say, OK, now what what next? I had to kind of put my energy into that next thing. And it was broadcasting and little side note to that story, guys. So I was at Florida State. This is 1993, 94. And I'm not playing on the team, but I'm playing pickup ball with some of the greatest athletes I've ever been around. Guys like Derek Brooks and Bob Sura, who had a really good NBA career with the Atlanta Hawks, one of Florida State's all-time best scorers. So many great players back in that day. Randy Moss, Sam Cassell was coming into the gym, playing with these guys every day and kind of took my game to that new level. And there was a time, I'll never forget, where I'd come on the court and guys you know, like Bob Sir, I'll never forget, he came over and he said, hey, I got that guy. Like, he's not going to burn us. To me, he respected my game. Even though I never played at that elite level, 
here's a guy who went on to the NBA and played at the highest level saying, hey, I'm going to shut this guy down, which he which he did. But <laughs> still, <laughs> still, guys, to get that to get that cred, to get that respect, I think was 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 gratifying to me. And then last point I want to make, I'll never forget the day whenever my dreams were crushed. I was called down into the basement uh, with about maybe 10 other guys. And we go down there and the, all these guys were great players. They could play college basketball, all of them. And there was a coach by the name of Dave Zimroth, who basically told us that our grades were not up to par for walk-ons at Florida State and that we need to get the you-know-what out of there and go be better in the classroom and that we were washed up. He kind of, you know, tough talk to us. He kind of made me cry because I had had this thought that I was going to get a legitimate shot. And then after a couple of days of going through it, when they pulled my, my grades, that, that was the result. 16 years later, guys, that was 1994, 16 years later, 2010, that assistant who crushed my dreams walked up to my place of employment, Bright House Sports Network, to interview with me because he wanted to be a college basketball analyst and a high school basketball analyst, not knowing who I was, <laughs> not knowing anything about me. This guy who crushed my, here he is, guys, sitting in front of me in an interview, trying to sell himself to me. And to wow. me, it's the ultimate lesson. You never know where somebody is going to end up and to be kind to everybody because you never know. Did he get the job? Uh, he did not get the job, not because <laughs> he was not good Lies. enough. I, we had a little. <laughs> we, we we did have a little exchange. And Rich, let me tell you, like, we're we're good friends now. He's a, he's a great guy. He's, you know, he was kind of like that fast talking used car salesman assistant coach back in the day. It was during Pat Kennedy's, you know, oh, I remember elite, that team. elite run back in the 90s. This guy was really good at what he did. He eventually went on coach with Seth Greenberg at University of South Florida. This guy had a legit body of work. He was trying to get into TV and was trying to kind of help use me to help him get into the business. So we had a fun little exchange there. I kind of looked at him and said, do you know who I am? Do you remember me? And he just kind of turned white, you know, but, uh, but, but no, I, I mean, we, uh, we, we, we've stayed friends today. We laugh about it. And uh, guys, it was a great lesson. It's just one of the experiences the game has given me in the past. Well, perhaps, Drew, your career wouldn't have been the same if he didn't give you that conversation, right? Absolutely, Steffi. I mean, you have to eventually learn that just because you want something, it may not just be there at that particular moment for you when you want it. You may have to work a little harder. You may have to take a different road. You may have to be patient. You know, my my goal back in the late 90s when I was coming up through the small markets working in TV, I was picking up the camera guys and just going and shooting stories and putting stories together and editing and writing. I love to bring stuff to life. That was kind of what, you know, I really, really enjoy doing. My, my goal was to be a main sports anchor at one of the affiliate stations here in Tampa. That was my goal. I really didn't care about ESPN back then. I didn't care about any of the networks was just to kind of come back home, do what I love to do. Over time, that changed. And um, I was in Nebraska at the CBS affiliate, K-O-L-N, K-G-I-N, guys. And uh, we, had a, we had a really good group of guys at the time. Uh, Dari Noka, who's with the SEC Network, he was at the station across the street. Matt Schick 
was also in the market. He was to the West out in Kearney. Kevin Kugler, who's one of the main NFL voices on Fox, he was working in Lincoln at the time as well uh, with the university and was also doing radio in Omaha. So we had a really good core of guys. And I knew, I was like, man, these guys are really good around me at the time. Then the one thing, Steffi, that our station did at the time, we had the rights to the high school basketball tournament that was every year in Lincoln. It was two weekends. It was the championships of girls on one Saturday and then the championships of boys the following Saturday in March. When I put on that headset and did live games for the first time ever, and I was the analyst. I wasn't the play-by-play. I was the analyst. But I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Because I'm used to, you know, getting on the set for three minutes and having a producer tell me my time's up and, you know, there's severe weather going on, Drew. You got to wrap it up. <laughs> Here, we're on the air for, with free rain for two hours. So that's kind of when I fell in love with it and when I kind of shifted the focus of where I wanted my career to go. So what is it like being a sports broadcaster? Man, Steffi, you're putting me on the spot here. I think uh, a lot of people just, they tune in, yeah. they see people on TV calling games, and I think there's mystery behind it in that, you know, what, 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 what is your life like? Or what, it's, not, it's obviously not a nine-to-five job, and you're covering sports, which is, you know, so many people love. So what's it like? I think, guys, people see the, the airtime, they see the pictures on social media, they see your name in the spotlight, and they think that it's all a bowl of cherries, bed of roses, however you want to phrase it. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment. You know, I'll never forget Rich. This is another story. Back in the day, one of my best friends growing up, he wanted me to be the best man in his wedding. I put in eight months before the wedding that I needed that Saturday off to go to North Carolina and be in his wedding. My boss still wouldn't give me the day off Oof. because I had to I, I, I had to work. And now he's been married almost 25 years. And I still remember that, how I just couldn't get over that. And I had to come to grips with that as my first real like, hey, you're going to have to sacrifice to be in this business. You're not going to be able to live your life like you want to with all the fun and games and friends and this and that. You're going to have to live it differently. You're going to have to put this first essentially. So that is the the other side of, yeah, it's a great business. I've made great relationships. I love it. I'm still in it. I want to be in it as long as I can. But the level of sacrifice that you have to put in to do this and be successful at it is the thing that um, I'm still getting used to because there are days and weekends that go by. And also the whole play-by-play thing, I had a lot of success in that. I've had a lot of success, and hopefully there's more to come. When do most sports happen? On the weekends. So you just don't get a lot of that time. And, you know, days and months and weeks go by and years go by, and you say, wow, I was working that day. Or, man, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to do that. So, uh, you know, you definitely have to keep all of that in mind. There's a tremendous amount of sacrifice and hard work that goes into it. How much is it during the course of, say, the season or the year that you're not even thinking, though, Drew, that it's work, that you enjoy it so much that even though there are sacrifices, but you enjoy it versus over the years, has it started shifting, though, that sometimes the the grind does get to you and the sacrifices do get to you? Oh, my God, Rich. Such a good question. 
because as you get older, you start to ask yourself, is all of this worth it? Is it going to continue to be worth it? Because, you know, as far as we know, we're only on this planet one time and time starts to become really, really important the older you get. And sometimes you have to kind of pick and choose what you want to do and what you don't want to do. You know, I had a Saturday earlier this year where I got to call an event at Disney. It was Iona playing, not ex- I forget who they played. This was about two months ago. It was a college basketball game. And uh, Rick Pitino was coaching Iona. I had a chance to do an interview with him and then immediately got in the car, booked it to Tampa. The Tampa Bay Rowdies were in the playoffs. And if they win this game, they go to the championship on ESPN on a Saturday night. And uh, we had a ruckus crowd there, sold out, and Rowdy scored the the game-tying goal at the death and the final possession of the game. Look at the overtime. Just an unbelievable day. You have weekends like that, guys, where you're right, it's not work. And you ask yourself, could I do anything else? Like, you know, this is is awesome to be a part of this. And, um, you know, you take those good moments and you just – you want to have as many of them as possible. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, too, it's I love sports. I mean, Steffi and Rich, you guys know all the ups and downs that come with sports and the storytelling that comes with it to be a part of that and to be the mouthpiece that tells these stories and kind of takes the viewer by the hand and walks them through the broadcast. I think it's the most incredible honor that you can have in sports. So every time I put that headset on, I try and remind myself of that. One of the gifts that you have, Drew, is is telling stories. And I'll never forget, we were covering a Sunbelt Conference Championship, and App, App State was in it. And their coach, Rich, at the time was Angel, I believe she's still the head coach there, Angel Elderkin, had ties to Pat Summit, but she was uh, coaching with cancer. And she, Drew, correct, she had a shaved head, the whole nine. She won Coach of the Year or uh, Coach Foley for uh, Little Rock was Coach of the Year out of the conference. He took his trophy and walked it over to her, and both teams were crying. And I think Drew and I almost caught my – we caught ourselves uh, almost in near tears in that moment, and that was just a memory that him and I had just just pregame, just before a game. I mean, that's something that will always stick with me, you know, and we, we tried our best to tell that story, but you had to be there. I mean, that's something that lasted for that memory will always uh, stick with me. Drew, what what are some of your favorite memories in this business uh, that stand out to you? Man, well, I'll definitely remember the first time Steffi and I worked together. And you know, I'm, I don't know what to think. Oh, man. You know, anytime you work with somebody for the first time, you don't know how you're going to match. So here I am, Rich. I put on my 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 radio, you know, <laughs> shtick and we're on TV and I'm just talk, 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 talk. And by halftime, I'll never forget, I look at Steffi and she just kind of looks at me like, dude, <laughs> are you going to talk talk the broadcast away? So I kind of knew then I was working with a very strong-willed person. And when I gave her more of that free reign, she just took it and ran with it. And I mean, we, I thought, made some beautiful music for about five years there. Four or five years are a good period yeah. of time, you know, working games. And um I told Steffi earlier, you know, when you have good combinations like that, you just you don't know how long they're going to last because the business always pulls you in different directions. But that was definitely uh, an awesome memory. Just getting a chance to do that uh, work with Steffi 
Some of the other memories, man, oh man, I've had so many. Covered so many Florida State championships, um, meaning high, high school championships at the Lakeland Center here, teams from all over the state playing. Um, had a chance to call a lot, lots of college basketball involved in the JUCO game right now, because I think that if I can take what I can offer and kind of elevate a product, try to at least, it makes more people watch it, more people see it, maybe makes a kid, helps them get discovered here or there. I've had great football moments as well, seen some great players back in the day, so many great, uh, great moments. Baseball, softball as well, and now soccer. You know, this soccer thing was pretty cool. I was telling Rich right before we went on, I wasn't the biggest soccer fan growing up, but I've kind of fallen in love with my hometown team, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I actually went to a few games when I was growing up and uh, now have the opportunity to work for them. But the goal that we scored to propel us to the tie and then eventually we win it in overtime, but the one that we scored if you get a chance, check it out. It was a really, really cool moment. And my call, the fans, the diehard fans of our team made a T-shirt with the call on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Also, ESPN, right at the top of the show, led with the call. That's why you do it. And I got a lot of congratulations. That's why we do it. That's why What's we that? do it. And you see it on the T-shirt, right? I mean, it kind of... Steffi, I mean, I've had a lot of chance, you know, working for networks over the years. I've done so many games, but to do it for my hometown team and for the the fans to really love it and play it over and over and tell you, Drew, I just played it over and over and over, you know, that's when it kind of hits you. Wow, that really stuck, you know, and um, to be a part of something like that was really, really cool. The Rowdies are a historic franchise. They They were born in Tampa in 1975, the year I was born. They're the oldest Tampa Bay sports franchise, older than the Bucks, as far as when they originated. The owners of the Rowdies are the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays ownership owns the Rowdies. So it's it's a product that a lot of people are passionate about. For me to have that moment, I think, was was pretty cool. And, um, you know, moments like that, though, you, you don't script them, Rich. They just happen, you know. And when they do, you try and savor them. There, there was another moment, a, a softball. I remember doing a softball game with uh, Dot Richardson back in the day, 2012, a Tampa team going at it with a team from from Lakeland, an Auburndale team. This game went to the seventh inning, and a girl hits a home run, wins the game for the Tampa team. And uh, just moments like that, those thrilling moments. I've called thousands of games, so there's so many of them. But those ones that really stick out, it's kind of cool. It really is. I, I love that, Drew, especially just from the standpoint you talk about just not scripting something. How do you balance that, though, in terms of are you thinking you know, just to have you know an idea of how you hear the call in your head and that's what you want to work to get towards versus it's just you in the moment and just what comes out comes out and you just don't know what it's going to be. I, I, I've always been fascinated from the play-by-play -play perspective. And that's why I'm so fearful that I could never really do play-by-play -play because I analyze things so much that I want to say the exact right word. And yeah. I would never be able to get any words out <laughs> because yeah. I'd be sitting there thinking about it the whole time. There's definitely an art form to it, Rich. You've got to keep that composure as the moment's happening. But you also have to kind of build that suspense and let the viewer know this is big right here. 
in that final Rowdy's possession, it just instinctively, you know, if that ball gets clear, the game's over, our season's over. But as we're batting it around and Louisville City is on defense trying to keep it out of the goal, I instinctively said, is there one final touch to be had? Like, do we have that one magic touch? And then bam, 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 there it was. It just kind of instinctively happened to where it flowed perfectly. But I've kind of learned over the years that in those moments, you can't go too crazy. You've got to keep your wits and you've got to still be a storyteller, even when the bullets are flying and, you know, the place is basically standing on its head. Uh, You've got to keep your composure and still stay within the moment. And that's something that ESPN, I think, does a really good job teaching their broadcaster. Steffi will will uh, vouch yeah. for that. You know, there's there, there's an old saying, stay in your lane. You know, and I always tr- try and tell whoever I work with, I talk, you talk. Let's The worst thing we could do is talk over each other. You know, and the great tandems and duels that we listened to last night watching Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, those guys don't talk over each other, you know? So you got to keep those fundamentals, those principles down, even in the most exciting moments. And no coincidence that they've been together for 26 years. I mean, they are, you could argue, the best tandem to broadcast games, especially big games. They they deliver. ESPN does do a really good job of just staying in the moment. And I think, Rich, as we've been calling games as analysts, and you look at your broadcast partner and you look at your play-by-play and the way that they set the moment up, I could never do that. I, like, I would fall flat on my damn face. I would be <laughs> exactly. like, I just... There's an art form to it, and, you know, I definitely enjoyed working with Drew because he would just set the stage, and then I would, you could match the energy, right? Like, set the stage, and then I come in and hit you with some analysis, and that's why, you know, that's what makes good television, you know, and that's kind of what it's all about. Um, Drew, if you, could, if you could give some advice to people, I know that we have some student-athletes or uh, people that listen to this to get some basketball news, but also media news or you know, because both of us work in media and obviously you as well, um, advice, how, maybe how to get your foot in the door or how to stay in the game. To get your foot in the door, I think the advice is don't go in expecting to make a lot of money off the top. I was willing to go on a Saturday or on a Sunday and carry a guy's tripod. You know, I was willing to go help somebody do something or write a story for free or I was willing to do whatever it took just to get that foot in the door. Those opportunities are there also. And I I think instead of when you go into a job interview or you have an icebreaker with somebody, it's not what days am I going to work or how much am I going to make? Or instead of that being the verbiage, Steffi and Rich, how about what does your department need? How can I help? This is what I would like to do to get into the door and to eventually get started. You know, you got to start somewhere. And I think just the expectations now with young people, everything, they got to start and they have to have the perfect job and they got to be, you know, back in the day, like you said, my first job was in Clarksburg, West Virginia. I was making $4.50 an hour doing that. (laughs) I mean, my rent was $150. I was living on the side of a mountain. Basically, if I had blown that house, it probably would have gone down the mountain. Okay. (laughs) Good thing you did. Um, Exactly. But my point is, is I went there because they wanted to put me on TV. And 
you know, there was another station, I believe it was WTXL in Jacksonville, wanted to hire me, but they wanted to hire me as an editor behind the scenes. And they wanted to pay me $20,000. The West Virginia station said, we'll pay you $12,000. I took the one that paid twelve because I just want to get in front of a camera. So that's kind of how that went down. You have to be flexible. You have to be willing to move. You have to be selfless. And you've got to just, you got to start somewhere. I think that's the biggest advice that I would give. Now, now, Steffi, some of these journalists are finding ways with YouTube and all these opportunities now that you can create stuff. You don't have to do it like I did it. I did it the old school way. Yeah. You know, my mentor told me, you want to make it in this business, get the heck out of Tampa and go do it in the small markets first. It's not always the best roadmap today, but that's how I did it, you know? But now there are legit ways and, you know, that that, that, that you can sidestep a lot of that and find a way. I mean, Steffi, Steffi's one of the great stories, Rich. I mean, she, your first job was at ESPN. I mean, that's nearly unheard of, but she had the cred where she was, she played the game. So she comes in as an analyst and now that door opens. So I didn't have that that cred coming coming up through the ranks. Yeah, and that was all because one assistant coach, right? Just would not believe in your grades at Florida State, or you would have been out there, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's another story. Uh, and I do remember those Florida State teams, though, uh, Drew, because I was at Clemson from eighty nine to ninety three. So I mean, I saw those teams coming, especially when they first came into the league and started dominating and, and took everybody by surprise uh, because Pat Kennedy was able to dominate the ACC so fast. So I, I do remember some of those teams and they were really good. Your thoughts then just on Florida State, your alma mater, how they are right now under Leonard Hamilton and obviously the success that they've had, but maybe a little bit of a down year to start off so far here in the ACC. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm not a big fan of the one and done thing. I'm just, I'm still adjusting to it after all these years, but that's kind of the blueprint now. And obviously when you go out and recruit, you have to recruit a lot of these guys and tell them, yeah, you can come here for one year and do your thing and eventually move on. Yeah, that's, that's to me, that's, that's a tough way to make your living on that because eventually you got to get those grinders who are going to come in and set the foundation of the program or else you're going to have years like this uh, when you know, you have sort of a down year when it just doesn't all come together just yet. Um, recruiting's only getting tougher. Uh, you know, the transfer portal is what it is now. Uh, it's making it harder for kids to get scholarships. The whole landscape has changed. So every coach now is have, having to adjust to all of this. And it's interesting to see, will Leonard Hamilton adjust to it? He adjusted to the one and done better than I think any coach in the country. But can he adjust now? to this next wave, you know, with, of course, licensing deals, all these players, there's, it's just constantly changing. You're seeing a lot of coaches. I believe that's the reason Roy Williams said, you know what, I think I'm going to call it a career. The landscape has changed. Well, Drew, awesome conversation with talking with you. I do want to hit on pickleball. How the hell do you get involved with pickleball? <laughs> like, help me out. <laughs> well. Pickleball is... Is it like the new lacrosse? Lacrosse took over, right? Like Oh, it's bigger than it's lacrosse. It's bigger than lacrosse. Okay. Bigger than lacrosse. Steffi, I'd love to see you one day at a tournament. In fact, I'm going to make that my goal here Ooh. in the coming years to get you involved somehow because you've got the tennis background 
And, you know, there's a lot of players coming into the game from tennis. I had a chance to do an event back in 2018, and it was the U.S. Open in Naples, one of their marquee events. So I worked that event, went right back after that event, and kind of went back to my daily grind. I, If I did pickleball again, if I worked it again, I probably wouldn't have noticed at the time, okay? The game was maybe a little bit slower then, a lot of senior citizens playing, didn't quite have the star power. Then COVID hits, 2021 comes, and I get asked to work an event in Phoenix, Arizona, out in the desert last year. So after three years off of pickleball, I come back now, and guys, the the game is faster, it's more exciting. I see these elite athletes around playing it, and I'm like, wow. And then, you know, you just feel the fever, and uh, for the past year, it has been an absolute roller coaster. I love this game. I love the accessibility. It's kind of like NASCAR, where the players, they love being covered. They're very accessible. They're very professional. And it's a very friendly game. Tennis is more of a standoffish, you know. I mean, you hear a lot of what's going on in tennis, and it just seems like there's all this combative stuff with, you know, what's what's going on now in the, in the men's game and Osaka and the women's side and the media. And this, it's rigid. Pickleball. It's rigid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Pickleball's the exact opposite, guys. I'm getting fired up talking about it. Uh, pickleball's <laughs> the exact opposite. It's uh, it, It's a friendly game. It's a fun game. And – it's got a really, really bright future. Courts are being built all over the country. They're popping up all over the place. And the volleys, the excitement, the back and forth, the drama, it, it's a fun time for pickleball. So our first event is at the end of the month. We'll be on Fox Sports broadcasting live from Phoenix. And uh, we're on Tennis Channel as well. Also, a lot of events on CBS throughout the year. Uh, we just did an event back in November in Austin, Texas. CBS has run the heck out of it. And they're realizing what this is. It's uh, some great things to come in the game. Guys, And if you haven't played, pick up a paddle, go to a court, and just play. You'll be hooked. I've got to try it. I have friends that have played it and keep saying it, but I haven't tried it yet. So, all right, Drew, I'm, <laughs> i got to follow through then, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Drew, we can't thank you enough for being here on the podcast with Steffi and I. And it's a great opportunity for us to get to learn a little bit more about you and your journey and we thank you for your time and look forward to hearing you on the call on some of these pickleball games as well guys thank you for giving me that opportunity and uh, steffi big fan of your work always will be and proud to say i worked with you and rich uh love your love your work as well i, I love you know, it's not just a great talker that makes a good broadcaster it's also a great listener and you do that as well as anybody thank you so much Rich, I love that interview with Drew. Um, you know, he has really logged some hours and some miles to not only get into the to sports broadcasting, but to stay in sports broadcasting. And he really, really has a love um, for covering sports, telling people's stories. And I think sometimes it gets lost in the art of TV, lights, glam, all that. Like, he told the story. It's, it's not always like that. And sometimes it, you, you got to hear that. And it, and it resonates. It certainly resonates with me because it's not always um, glamorous. I'm not always getting my makeup done before games. I'm doing it myself, okay, in the hotel desperately trying to look decent. 
And, uh, you know, you don't have to wear makeup on TV, do you, Rich? You don't have to wear makeup. <laughs> I, I don't, but I know powder. you don't need it. <laughs> yes, I do get a, I do get shine quite a bit, but you don't need makeup either. So I don't even want to hear that, you know, from that perspective. But I do agree with you a thousand percent that what great perspective from Drew, just that it is a grind and there's that balance in terms of, you know, how much you love it and how much of it is work, but it doesn't just happen overnight. And knowing that, you know, his pathway, the way he did it because of when he started, Things have changed a little bit over the years, so there might be different avenues that you can go to or go through to try to get into certain positions, but you're still going to have to put in work. You're still yeah. going to have to put in that type of grind. People are not just going to hand you something and you're not going to have to put in hard work to be successful. And we know that also not everybody is going to be you know, a Chris Fowler, a Jay Billis, or, you know, a Joe Buck, you know, from that standpoint. But it's those people that are out there each and every day grinding and doing yeoman's work like Drew is doing. That's what makes the sports storytelling so impactful because we have those type of individuals out there doing that type of work. And in society today is based on, well, what can you do for me? And his message of what can I do for you to help? Um, it's something that you don't really hear a lot. It's always like me, 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 me. And I'm not going on some sort of rant about today's kids are so entitled. But there is an element of entitlement that comes with the year of 2022. It's just kind of technology, just society, environmentally, like just culturally everything. It's just centered around me. So I just think there's people that go to work and do their job and are good at it, put their head down. And if people didn't always become Chris Fowler's, and just quit, how would all these student athletes get their, their games on TV? You need people that do a really damn good job, show up on time, you know, and um, tell a story in, um, in a way that is entertaining. And I, I just, um, I know we talked a lot about what we want this podcast to be. And of course we like hoops, but I also think it's important to talk about people's stories, interesting uh, people with backgrounds and all that. And I think uh, Drew definitely delivered for us on that. So thank you, Drew. Yes. Thank you so much, Drew. And I agree with you. This is more than just a college basketball podcast. This is bringing people that have been touched by college basketball as well. And then are part of this whole entity that we call sports and college basketball, this whole ecosystem, uh, so to speak. So we do greatly appreciate Drew being on the podcast as well. And we also appreciate you listening to the podcast. And also, if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast and let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. But as always, thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.